Hey there, I'm Ashley Brown, and I'm one of the producers of this show. Every once in a while, Gustavo turns over the mic to one of our awesome LA Times colleagues. Today, I'm stepping in as we hand the mic to our colleague, Aaron B. Logan. Aaron covers the Biden administration for the LA Times Washington Bureau. She mainly covers politics, but she also often finds herself in the middle of cultural conversations, like the one that's been raging ever since that slap at the Academy Awards ceremony. It's led so many of us to reflect on the politics of Black women and our hair. The love-hate relationship Black women have with our hair is real. For me, it's complicated, a topic that leads to so many stories. Our hair has just started to become mainstream as we see braids and locks trend for its style. But it hasn't always been that way, which is why Erin is here to discuss the Oscars aftermath and the complexity of black hair. I'm Erin Logan, and you're listening to The Times, a daily news podcast from the LA Times. It's Thursday, March 31st, 2022. Today, we are going to talk about the aftermath of one of the most viral moments in Oscar history. Uh Uh-oh, Richard! (laughs) Oh, wow! Yes, I'm talking about the face slap heard around the world. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it, all right? And despite many groundbreaking moments that happened during this year's telecast, from a streamer winning the most esteemed award of the night for CODA, a film praised for casting deaf actors, and the first openly queer woman of color winning one of the top acting awards. Even in this weary world that we live in, dreams do come true. It was Will Smith slapping comedian Chris Rock that managed to hijack most of the headlines from that night. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. But at the center of the controversy was an even bigger and even more important conversation, a discussion about Black women's hair. Today, we talked to my LA Times colleague, Erica D. Smith. She's a columnist who recently wrote about the aftermath and the need to hang up Black hair jokes for good. Erica, welcome to The Times. Thanks for having me on. Protect Black women. That was the first sentence in your column you wrote about the aftermath of the Academy Awards this past weekend. Why is that your sentiment coming out of this year's ceremony? There were so many ways to look at what happened uh, on Sunday night. But one of the things that I saw, and just as a clarification, I actually didn't watch it live. I was being lazy and sitting on my couch and watching clips on Twitter. And so the first thing I saw was actually that clip that was from... Japan that was not dubbed over. So none of the words were bleeped out. And so I was like, what in the world just happened? So I, you know, watched it three times and then finally got the energy to turn on my TV. And it was enough time to kind of get a sense of what was happening and the tenseness in the room and everything when he went up to get his best actor award. But just from the moment that I saw that clip on Twitter, I was thinking, wow, he's really like going out of his way to defend Jada, you know, his wife from this insult. And I couldn't quite hear exactly what it transpired, but, you know, to have Will Smith, of all people, walk on stage and, and slap somebody, it had to be extreme. So Protect Black Women was one of those things that just came to my mind. And then seeing the cameras like zoom in on Jada's face and then she looked, you know, shaken and grateful. And so I think when I wrote that column, that's what I was thinking. 
Yeah, and you know, this isn't the first time Jada Pinkett Smith has been the butt of a Chris Rock joke. Back in 2016, when he hosted the Oscars, he made jokes about Jada boycotting the Oscars' lack of diversity. Rock made jokes about the fact that Jada essentially wasn't invited in the first place. Jada boycotting the Oscars is like me boycotting Rihanna's panties. (laughs) I wasn't invited. But I feel like this year's joke hit kind of Weirdly, why did it cut so deep? I think it's because of the fact that Jada, she has basically no hair now. She has shaved her head, in part because she has come out about having alopecia. I've been having issues with hair loss. So I thought I'd just share it so y'all not asking any questions. She's been chronicling it, you know, increasingly over the last year and a half about her struggles with it. Mama's going to put some rhinestones in there. I'm just going to make me a little crown. And alopecia, for those who don't know, is a condition that makes people lose their hair. It's an autoimmune disorder. It comes and it goes. I actually have a number of friends with it. And it's tough, I think, with people's hair. I mean, it's something that's very visible. It's the way you walk around the world. People look at you. You know, it's the way our society considers beauty or not beauty. And so I think by Chris Rock making a joke about her bald head, that really hit home. I think it hit home not just with Black women, but, and I I heard it after my column, other women with alopecia of all races, women who are cancer survivors who have lost their hair. So I think it was a, it just came across as a really particularly cruel joke, I think. According to some studies, about a third of, of women experience hair loss at some point in their lives, and almost half of Black women experience it. And while there are some treatments for alopecia, people really just have to learn how to live with it because there's no cure. I know so many people that have it. And actually, the lady who does my sister locks, she mentioned that I have a little patch in the back of my head I just found out about a couple of months ago. So I'm glad it's in the back of my head. But it's, you know, it it hit home. So I think even when I saw that and knowing that she had alopecia, that all those things came together for me. Yeah, that, that makes your column hit a bit differently now. I'm going to reread it again. Yeah, it's like this big. She cut like one lock off because she said it was annoying her. But she's like, it's a little spot. I'm like, (gasps) I have like, (laughs) so of course I ordered like a pack of Rogaine on Amazon, which is now sitting in my my mailbox, you know, as we speak. But I have nightmares about losing hair. I mean, I'm 27. Seriously. You, you and whatever, millennial, (laughs) zillennial. I'm a zillennial, excuse you. Okay. But back to an earlier point you made, the violence you said by Will Smith was uncalled for, but you also said that his instinct to protect Black women was correct. Why did you write that? And why in 2022 are we still talking about Black women and their vulnerability around their hair? Obviously, there's been a ton of opinions about what Will did and why he did it and if Chris Rock was hurt and if he deserved it and if he asked for it and and so on and so forth. To me, I just felt like, I don't sit here and defend what Will Smith did. I I don't think that it was a great idea to go walk up on stage and smack somebody during the middle of an Oscar ceremony. I mean, I just don't. But I do think that his initial response or his his, his instinct, as I put it in my column, to to protect Jada was right. I mean, I think that that is something that husbands and partners of spouses do. And granted— In case of Will, he clearly didn't think it through. And he himself has apologized not just that night when he got his award, but also the next day on Instagram. And so I think he realizes that he crossed a line and that it had ripple effects that he had not intended when he was just mad. But I do think that his 
desire to protect his wife from humiliation is important. And I think you talk about Black women. You know, you and I are both Black women, Aaron, and we know that, you know, in society, we're kind of at the bottom of every list. We get paid the least, even when we have some highest rates of education. We're susceptible to all sorts of diseases. I mean, if you look at COVID, we were, you know, among the disproportionate number of people getting sick and dying and being hospitalized. There's so many things that in Black women in, in the hierarchy of society that we are continued to be at the bottom, more or less all due to systemic racism. And so I think that there is this idea of of, you know, we have to take all the crap of society. And so I don't know what went through Will Smith's mind when all this happened, other than the fact that he was mad, but I have to believe, or I like to believe, that him feeling like it was up to him to defend his wife, his Black wife, his Black woman, you know, did factor into that in some way. Also, shouldn't Chris Rock have known better? He literally has a documentary film called Good Hair. It's about the cultural importance of Black hair rituals, which he said he made for his daughters. Is this your hair? Yes. All mine. All your hair? All mine. Shake it for me. Shake it for me. <laughs> That's kind of the great irony in this at all, you know, of all things. It's like, you know, this is not just some random person. It's not even some random Black person. It's Chris Rock, who literally had a documentary in 2009 talking about the struggles and all the things that factor into how important Black hair is to Black women. And about the the pressures that we're under, you know, where you have a society where you have white standards of beauty, which is to have, you know, straight hair that's styled in a certain way. And, and Black people generally have kinky, coarse hair. For years, people have been trying to live up to that, straightening their hair, styling their hair in a certain way. And and in that movie, Good Hair, he talked to a number of Black women and the struggles they went through and how the psychological toll uh, on them. And so to turn around and to make a joke about a Black woman's hair, it just seems like it's just crazy to me that he would do that. We'll have more after this break. We're back. So black women and hair. You know, when I was growing up, I struggled a lot with my hair. I did not learn how to do my natural hair until I was a sophomore in college. For some people may sound kind of shocking, but I think it's pretty commonplace among a lot of black women to struggle with knowing how to do their hair for most of their lives. And Erica, you have sister locks. Why did you get them? The thing about me, I've always had a lot of hair. Like, I mean, you might have my little alopecia spot, but I've always had a lot of hair. And to the point where when I was a kid, hairdressers used to take one look at my hair and be like, no, I'm not doing your hair because it's too much. It's going to take too many hours. So for me, it was such a deterrent. I've like never liked doing hair. And so... I used to, in you know, in high school and college, and after that, I used to have braids, in, which was a low-maintenance hairstyle. And eventually, my hair just kind of grew so long that it made more sense to just kind of get it locked. And I thought about it for a while. Uh, a friend of mine did actually a story about locks and sister locks, and I was so intrigued. And I went to this woman that she had interviewed and talked to her about it. And I honestly say it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. It was, I've had them now for about going on 10 years, I think, this October. Facebook usually actually reminds me of when the date that I and the year that I got them done. But 
You know, they're just tiny little dreadlocks and they're easy to style. And, you know, it it's very low maintenance, perfect for Southern California weather. You know, they dry fast if I go swimming and great for hiking and everything else. And so, yeah, but it's important to me, I, I would say, as I've had them to really get to know my hair and what that looks like for me. And so it's been a good experience. For a lot of Black women, it's not just a hair joke. We've had to spend a lot of money to, quote unquote, improve our hair to fit Eurocentric beauty standards. I felt pressured in middle school and high school to straighten my hair, and I got a lot of heat damage from it, and I kind of regret it. Did you personally feel like you needed to straighten your hair or change your hair to fit in when you were growing up, Erica? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my father in particular, and luckily, I don't think he's going to listen to this podcast. So we won't mind me throwing him under the bus. But he was very much straighten your hair, do your hair. This is how you're going to look to be professional. And I think I really absorbed that a lot, you know, as a, as a kid and as a teenager. And frankly, it wasn't until I got to college when I was surrounded by more Black people that I had not known from lots of different backgrounds and had just different hair experiences than I did. And that I really started to think about my hair and trying to really make it about me in a way that it hadn't really been before that, which started my kind of my journey with braids and eventually to, to sister locks. But I do think through that time when I started to really identify myself with my hair, it really did make a difference. I mean, and I, you know, seeing it through all the stages when I grew it out from when it was relaxed and I spent a lot of money going to the hairdresser because, again, I didn't want to do my hair, to growing it out into like its natural state and seeing what that looks like. Because like I hadn't seen my natural curl since I was like, I don't know, five or six or something like that. So it'd been, you know, a couple of decades and in, in more or less. Hair really is a thing for Black women. It's, it's for Black people. It's not just women, but particularly for women. And how our hair looks is a signal or is a sign of how we move through this world and how we think and how we choose to make what our hair looks like. And so it's important. It really, really is important. And I, and I don't think that people, people who weren't Black watching that moment at the Oscars the other night really understood that intuitively where you'd ask any Black person in this country and it was just understood. Black women and men have struggled when it comes to hair in workplace and school settings because you may not be quote unquote professional. You know, two years ago in Texas, a teen was suspended for not cutting his dregs off. And then in 2018, an 11 year old girl from Louisiana was sent home from school because she had braid extensions. I mean, what's being done to combat this constant struggle? Yeah, it's actually kind of cool in a way. So, you know, here in California, a couple of years ago, the state Senate passed a bill called the Crown Act, which basically prohibits discrimination against natural hairstyles in the workplace or in school. So basically the same kind of situation where in Texas, where that kid was forced to cut off his dreadlocks, that wouldn't happen in California anymore uh, under the Crown Act. And the, the cool thing, I say the cool thing about it is because it was the idea and authored by now L.A. County Supervisor Holly Mitchell. And this is when she was part of the state Senate in Sacramento. And that idea was so popular that it has been passed pretty much in dozens of states. And uh, just actually earlier in March, the uh, House took it up and passed it with support from the Biden administration. So I do think there's this increasing recognition that trying to force people, Black people, into 
meeting white beauty standards and calling it professional, like as if the way your hair grows out of your head is not necessarily professional, just because it's a different texture than, you know, your white colleagues or white schoolmate is not okay. And I do think that there's a recognition that that is happening. And it's great. And I should also note, that the bill was co-sponsored by Ayanna Presley, who is a representative from Massachusetts who also has alopecia and has been very open about it. By passing the Crown Act today, we affirm, say it loud, Black is beautiful and so is our hair. You know, it's a bit troubling that in America, land of the free, home of the brave, laws need to be enacted to stop people from discriminating against Black people for the hair that grows out of their head naturally. But at the same time, we're witnessing some big historical Black hair moments, like with the Supreme Court nominee, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Her hair has been talked about in recent weeks. I was fascinated the first time, you know, I saw pictures of her when they were talking about who President Biden might nominate. And seeing Judge Jackson and knowing that she has sister locks, I was like, whoa, because you might argue that D.C. is one of the most conservative places still in this country that, particularly for people of color. And so the fact that she is hopefully going to be on the Supreme Court, definitely a nominee, made it through the the gauntlet of those hearings. I have dedicated my career to ensuring that the words engraved on the front of the Supreme Court building, equal justice under law, are a reality and not just an ideal. I don't think that people really understand how important that is, particularly for people like me who grew up learning that in order to be in that chair, in order to be where she is, I had to have straight hair. I had to relax my hair. I had to look a certain way. And knowing that there's a certain level of acceptance and uh, societal acceptance or self-acceptance and people kind of paving that way is really important. I'm always in the White House and I'm on the Hill. And I will say, as someone with natural hair, it's... I still feel a bit out of place, even though I'm very strong and firm in the fact that I will not be changing my hair just because society tells me to. The Chris Rock joke was just a joke, but it reminded Black women everywhere that we are constantly having to defend ourselves from questions about our hair, from random people wanting to touch it or even complimenting it. I mean, honestly, it gets pretty old. We're at the point where we're ready to be done with all these hair jokes forever. Do you think this slap and the conversations it's caused will help us finally get there? I like to think so. I mean, I'd like to think that something positive is going to come out of this, you know, not just for the Academy Awards TV ratings, but that there could be something positive for the rest of us as well. I I do think that at the very least, there's been a much broader conversation about alopecia and what it actually is and who it affects. I think there's also been a conversation about Black hair and about the importance of it. But I, I think anytime that we can hammer that home and reiterate that to a broader audience, the better that it, it can be. And I do hope that people will come to see jokes about Black hair as unacceptable as the way that we think of other topics that are just, we just don't joke about anymore. We'll have more after this break. And we're back. So going back to Will Smith, you know, when he was on the stage uh, accepting his award, he said that he found himself to be the defender of others. 
He said that that mirrors his character, Richard Williams, in King Richard, who was a Black father and the defender of his family. His family, by the way, is Venus and Serena Williams. Does that line of reasoning justify his actions? I mean, I think at this point, I think even Will Smith doesn't think that that justifies his actions. I mean, especially considering on Instagram, he said what he did was, uh, quote, inexcusable. But I do think that there is this instinct, I think, to defend one's family. Uh, I'm not a father, but I I gather that that is the case. And I think that there's a certain level of pride in that. And I will say, you know, in responses to my column, I mean, I got a number of responses from from Black women, but also a number of responses just from people who said that they wish their husbands would defend them that way if something like that happened to them. And so clearly there is, even in this moment where feminism rules, you know, I think there's still a level of we want our significant others to stand up for us. Maybe not by slapping somebody during the Academy Awards, but I think that there is some sense of wanting the parent or the head of your household to really defend the rest of the family. You know, there's a lot of pearl clutching on social media after the slap, but I've been thinking about the history of the Oscars and it's been deeply rooted in racism for like at least half of the time it's been around. Hattie McDaniel, when she won Best Supporting Actress for her role in Gone with the Wind, she wasn't even allowed to attend the ceremony. The Academy has a history of allowing violent people and violent things to happen. I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, it is kind of really interesting. I mean, the way you put it is is pearl clutching is probably right. I mean, you know, the Academy Awards, the Oscars don't have the best history, particularly with people of color. I mean, it wasn't only that long ago that Oscars So White was trending. And so I do think there is this, you know, this level of irony now of people being like, oh my gosh, what Will Smith just did is the worst thing that ever happened during the Oscars, the Academy Awards, and he needs to have his award taken from him and he needs all this stuff like that. And it's like, Yeah, it was unseemly. Yeah, it was rude. Yes, he apologized for it literally on the spot, like, what, 20 minutes later when he walked onto the stage to get his award. Is it one of the high points of the the years of the Academy Awards? No. Is it the lowest and the worst and the possible thing that could happen? No, not either. I mean, particularly in the world that we live in, we're such you know, crazy, awful things that happen all the time outside of Hollywood, you know, color the way that we see the world and stock our social media feeds every single day. So I don't know. I I hope everybody, as the days go on, kind of takes a breath and calms down and puts this into perspective (laughs) as to what exactly transpired and where we need to rank this in terms of hierarchy, in terms of the worst thing that ever possibly happened to the Academy Awards. Erica, let's end on a high note. Who are some Black women right now whose hair or hairstyles have caught your attention lately? Um, I would say, you know, Janelle Monae's hair is always amazing. Gosh, uh, Tiffany Haddish always has something interesting going on. Uh, There's so many women that were there at the Academy Awards even that night that had just amazing looks. And and frankly, let's, let's be honest, like, you know, Jada looked amazing with that dress and, and what she was rocking with, with Will Smith. And so, I mean... Black women are, we're fine with our hair. It's just really up to the rest of the world to accept us uh, for as who we are, which is, I suppose, always our problem that we have. And, and, and the struggle continues. Erica, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks for having me on.
And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, how a man's death in Beverly Hills exposed a sprawling Hollywood drug delivery business. I'm Ashley Brown, and I was the HEPA on this episode. Big thanks to David Toledo for stepping up with the assist. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guetta, Kasha Brasalian, David Toledo, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Kenzie Moreland. Our executive producers are Hasmeet Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen, And of course, our host is Gustavo Ariano. Gustavo will be back next time with all the news in Desmadre. Thanks for listening.